Last Saturday morning, Hannah and Xander got to my house at 7 a.m. We had coffee and then we drove down Lakeshore Drive with a beautiful sunrise coming up over the lake. We were headed to West Pullman to work with a bunch of other Bethany friends and members at a Habitat for Humanity site, which is part of our tithe from the sale of the Hermitage property. By afternoon last Saturday, some of us were working in shirt sleeves in the sunshine gen and mare measured and cut exterior drywall panels and hoisted them up to their team higher up on the scaffolding. After them, Kathy, daughter of Ruth, used a power drill to screw panels into the wall. After her, I used a circular saw to cut plywood panels and helped pass them up the scaffolding to the roof. After me, Hannah and Xander were with Johnny and Paul up on the roof. They weren't wearing harnesses, but don't worry, it's not a very steep roof. They worked on the section from the lower outside edge of the house toward the peak. So we built the house and our hearts were in the work. Before this project, I have never done a Habitat for Humanity project. And it's kind of surprising considering how ubiquitous an organization it is. Having worked there, I find it all the more surprising because it is so satisfying and frankly easy. Like Habitat, duh, is very good at organizing volunteers. It's very doable work with clear instructions and goals with good leadership. It's a great match for people like those of us drawn to Bethany. People who are committed to the common good and want to serve by putting our hands to the work. People with a wholehearted, hands-on faith. It's a great match for our hermitage, fund, hermitage funds, which we wanted to invest in affordable housing in Chicago. And Habitat believes in decent, affordable housing for everyone. Decent housing means something different in every place, they're careful to say. Here in Chicago, with all of our neighborhoods, it means attention to the whole neighborhood. So besides building and improving homes, there are beautification projects and block parties, and what do you know, mini grants for small improvement projects. On or near the block where we worked, Habitat has 30 houses that have been built or repaired. Houses where some people live with multiple generations. Houses that people intend never to sell, but to pass on to their children and grandchildren, making a home for years to come. A place with roots and security and stability and hope for the future for their own family and for their neighbors. That was last week. Yesterday morning, Rochelle texted me on the drive back to West Pullman and said, what is with this weather? 35 degrees and spitting rain was the answer. I drove down Lakeshore Drive under heavy cloud cover. I saw sunlight peeking through a little gap above the, the lake. In West Pullman, the building sites were muddy and while we got our marching orders for the day, people like bounced around, you know, to keep warm. We were a bigger group, both our crew from Bethany and the others we worked with. The scaffolding was crowded in places and you had to like step over extension cords and other people's tools and you had to stand back to let other people complete their next step. And all the while the scaffolding was getting wetter and wetter because of course there was sleet or freezing rain or maybe it was just like big heavy, heavy snow. It didn't snow or rain or whatever for long, but it was long enough. And even so, Vince and Owen and David worked on a team pouring concrete for fence posts and sometimes redug the holes that the last team had made less than plumb. Rochelle worked with a crew of Bethany friends framing a living room picture window and carrying and setting up and taking down ladders in the dirt. 
Nick was shingling a garage roof, and Paul, Mayor, Sarah, and I were wrapping the first floor of a house with waterproofing, and our hearts were in the work. It's all super basic, but this is what it takes to complete a big project. People willing to work. People willing to pitch in resources of time, labor, and money. We wrote a check to Habitat for $4,500. It takes people and organizations who care about what needs doing and respond to the need. And before all that, what it takes is eyes to see what needs doing and to name it. The very beginning of the book of Nehemiah, Nehemiah isn't even in Jerusalem. He's a Jew who's risen to a power of position in Persia where the people have been in exile. He's serving as a wine-bearer to the king a thousand miles east of Jerusalem. And while there, so far from home, he gets news, and he hears that the ones who were not exiled, who've been living in Jerusalem all this time, and the ones who'd already re returned a dozen years earlier, are in trouble. He hears that the wall around the city is broken down and the gates destroyed by fire. He prays, he asks the king for permission, he goes home with authorization to do the work, and after three days, as Vince read, he goes out in the middle of the night to inspect the damage. So here's the thing. The people had been living amidst the ruins for decades, like since the original exile and destruction, and then, and then also since the return of the exiles and all their work on the temple. You know, they laid the foundation for the temple and celebrated the new beginning when some of them shouted with joy and other ones cried. That's the part of the story we heard last week. That had all happened a dozen-ish years before. They started, it was exciting, they faced some opposition, they rallied, they finished it, and then... I actually don't know what happened. But they didn't get around to repairing the walls. They hadn't even started at the beginning of Nehemiah. They got caught up in some racist business, denouncing and rejecting people who'd intermarried during exile, and besides that hateful distraction, for whatever other reasons, they just didn't take up the project of the walls, which were their security and their safety. Instead, the walls sat in ruin, the gates charred and not good for anything, with huge gaps in the wall that anyone could come through. And then Nehemiah gets back, makes his inspection, calls it like he sees it, everything's in ruin. And he says, let's not live like this anymore. Let's not suffer any more disgrace. And between his vision and call to action and his witness to the goodness of God and the words of the king, they find the people after all this time willing to work towards something bigger for the common good. Seeger said you can learn to be proficient in guitar in about two years. For the longest time, I found that just as discouraging as I found it hopeful. Two years! Like proficiency at a new skill in two years. But then, if I start now, I won't know how to play for two whole years. And that latter thought kept me from picking up the guitar until, like, I was nearly 40, which I know is pretty recently, but, like, hear me out. So I took a class at the Old Town School of Folk, and I have never loved anything so much that I was so bad at. <laughs> like, my left hand fingers hurt, and my strumming was like erratic at best, but I loved it. And sometimes I would practice twice a day. I took two more classes, I bought a guitar, and then I stopped. 
The guitar is in my living room, where during the big part of the pandemic, when some people had energy to do things exactly like learning guitar, I would walk by it and sometimes I would even like touch the guitar on my way by and feel a little guilty. I recently listened to a story about a guy who was recovering from a spinal injury. He'd gone from being unable to move even a finger to climbing those uh, iconic steps outside the Philadelphia Art Museum, you know, the rocky ones. But when he climbed those steps, he did it with uh, the help and support of a whole team of people, his physical therapist behind him, kind of spotting him. It's a funny story, I'm leaving out all the funny parts, but the reason it caught my attention is that he said he wanted to know what the end point would be. He said, as long as he doesn't know how much better he'll get, how much better is possible, he has to keep working as though everything is possible. He's looking forward, he says, to a time when he doesn't have to devote all of his energy and focus all day, every day, to his recovery. And that caught my attention because I think that same way about a bunch of other kinds of recovery getting sober or, or quitting any addiction or, or changing a habit or healing an old emotional wound or grieving a loss, things that if and when we finally turn our attention to them, we know will take a lot of work, a lot of time. And, and maybe for some projects, it's a finite amount of work, work that will eventually be all the way finished. But for a lot of other projects, turning our attention to it means something like, so I'm going to start dealing with this now and then... I'll just be dealing with it in some way, one way or another, for the rest of my life. Like, do I want to get into all that? I don't know. Maybe that's just me. Of course, if I had started guitar daily when the big part of the pandemic started, I'd be closing in on two years, closing in on proficiency. And then I would also have what Pete Seeger said it takes to try and get as good as an expert, which is the rest of my life. I learned just this week, I was telling Mayor yesterday, I learned just this week that states controlled by Democrats have a far worse record for taking care of people than states run by Republicans. We're worse at implementing policies that, for example, like actually house people. In states like California and New York and Illinois, where people reliably vote blue and go to protests and have yard signs declaring that housing is a human right, the numbers of homeless folks is growing. And in states that vote reliably Republican, numbers of folks living unhoused goes, has gone down and continues to. I learned this week that California asks its wealthiest citizens to pay less taxes than Texas does. Texas, you might have heard of it. Anyway, I learned all this from the New York Times, notorious blue state, bluish newspaper, right? And the reporters, it was ultimately just an op-ed, but there was a lot of factual reporting. They pointed out that in Palo Alto, a place that desperately needs more housing, tried to build a 60-unit affordable housing complex for older people in Palo Alto, but the overwhelmingly liberal people there voted it down. We're on board, they said, in general, just not with this project. And if Palo Alto is too far away, how about this? In Lincoln Square last year, there was an affordable housing development proposed for what is currently a parking lot. Block Cub Chicago reported that some residents while supportive of more affordable housing, are worried about losing a primary source of parking. The new proposal would retain all but two of the current parking places. We're on board, just not with this project. That project fizzled and a new one is on the table. So a work project 
whether it's public and shared or very private and personal, starts with eyes to see it. A Nehemiah inspecting the joint and noticing the gaps. After those visionaries, a work project needs people with a will to work for the common good. After them, the project needs people who dare to hope for an in, in an indeterminate future, not knowing when or if the work will be done. And after them, the project, the public or very private one, needs people who will work on their little part of the project. Cutting the drywall, or like all those names that I made Nehem Vince Reed and Nehemiah, making repairs just opposite their house. Just maybe from here to the corner, or from the corner to the sheep gate. 12-step programs talk about this by advising that everyone should just do the next right thing. The Scottish mystic, pastor, and author George MacDonald says it this way, don't, don't worry about what will be required of you, only do the thing in front of you, and that will get you ready for what's next. As usual, the 12-step version is like shorter and easier to remember. If you haven't started the work that you need to undertake. You need and maybe will get unexpected a Nehemiah moment. Maybe like for him, maybe for you it'll come in the middle of the night. Maybe you won't tell anyone else what God has put in your heart to do. Or maybe you're past that step already. Maybe you know. You've taken a look and see what needs doing. Maybe you're ready to enlist a few friends for encouragement or support. Or maybe you're already working and you have a concrete goal in mind when the work will be done. Or, or maybe you know it's going to take a lifetime to master this sucker. Maybe you've laid eyes on the ruins and are ready to stick it to some good-hearted liberals who are getting in the way of progress. Whatever the work, even a private work that is yours to undertake, you are not alone. Even if you are brand new here this is a place, a community, to hear about the work that God has done and will do and can do in and through and for you, no matter how long it takes. This is a place, a community, that needs your witness about the same. This city, the world, is a place that needs your vision, your willingness to work for the common good. But don't be afraid. Don't be overwhelmed. All you have to do is the next right thing. And by your work, but not yours alone, and by your heart, but not yours alone, and by your commitment, but not yours alone, God will close the gaps for all people and make for them a place with roots and a hope for the future. <laughs>